Join our incredible moms who have mastered the art of balancing motherhood in today's episode of We Time Convo. My name is Debbie. This is Liza. Moms sharing inspiring stories, practical tips, and a few hilarious anecdotes. And it all begins now. Welcome to Week Time Convo. I am so excited for today's episode. We have a couple of guests here joining us today. We have Marita back here as a guest host. Say hi, Marita. Hello. Thank you for having me back. Yeah, and she is our Sophia slash physics teacher slash mom astronaut. I call her an astronaut. She's my astronaut. <laughs> and then we also have Dr. Bavone. Say hi. Hello. And she is, how about you? I'll let you tell us more about yourself, Dr. Bavone. Oh, I am an OBGYN practicing in the Bay Area here for 20 plus years and we kind of take the range of patients from teenage all the way to menopause and, and beyond yes yeah and today's episode is about dun, 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 menopause, menopause. <laughs> so i guess i don't know if i should ask this but are we all going i am not at that I'm, i might be pre-menopausal i think so i have a lot of questions but how about you Marita? i'm actually in menopause to the point where i don't have periods anymore how about you irene Done a year ago. Wow, I did not know that, Irene. Uh, no, I am still having those nasty periods yeah. every month. <laughs> Dr. But Bavone? I am almost at that year mark, which we can always go over like what the definition of menopause is. Okay. Yes. And fact checked here, we were texting last night and Debbie, when I was like, okay, so we're going to meet Dr. Bavone tomorrow, she's like, oh my, my God, yes. that was my OBGYN. <laughs> What? <laughs> so I didn't want to tell you when you walked in. But oh you were my OBGYN when At I was- San Jose Medical Group? Yes. Oh my gosh. Small world. I, it literally was before I had my daughter. So probably, uh, well, my daughter's uh, go, turning 17. But I probably saw you in my early- 20s so oh my god yes yes making me feel old (laughs) that you throw out your daughter 17 but it's so wild because when we were texting and we were you know prepping ourselves i was like oh my god she's to be my doctor No, but then what happened? No, that's not a good sign that you're like, no, I don't see you. Well, insurance uh, changes and life. Exactly, exactly. And then I had my primary care doctor who actually does my normal. Mm -hmm. For um, many women, yeah. Yes. Mm -hmm. So I just ended up sticking with her. But yes. Well, good to see you again. That's a a testament to how, you know, long Suzanne's been in the business because she and I have been friends (laughs) since our boys were in preschool, kindergarten. And we can't go anywhere where it was like, Dr. Pavone, Dr. Pavone. So, yeah, well, she's she, a celebrity. No. <laughs> Liza goes, is that a little awkward? Just because, you know, obviously, I'm like, I'm sure she's seen so many. You'd have to be very unique for me to remember. Okay, was, that was my next question. Yeah. I'm like, do you yes. know her, did her no. medical history just pop up in your no. head? <laughs> It's like, I'm like, she, I go, it's probably over 20 years. Plus, I'm pretty sure she's yeah. had a ton of yeah. experience since then. So We've seen a lot. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, this is a very big episode. So let's start with the questions. Marita, okay. you have a list of questions, I think. I, I do have a list of questions. Well, so like 
I feel like I'm the furthest beyond everyone because for me personally, I can't even remember when the last time I had a period was. It was pre-COVID. And so I just know that like, what are the symptoms? So you said you can define for us menopause, but what are the symptoms as well? Because I would start to talk to my doctors and like, they would say, you're too young, you're too young, you're too young. And I felt like, but I'm going through this already. Hot flashes. I have uh, episodes where it feels like my period will never end. Can I, can I ask how old? Were you when you started all this? I want to say I was 45, 45, 46. And I would like email my doctor or when I went to go to my annual, they would say, eh, you're a little too young for that. And I'm like, well, I'm experiencing all the symptoms I'm hearing are associated with menopause. Yes. No, excellent question, because I think the first thing is to define what is menopause. And so menopause is a whole year without a period. So it's that retrospective diagnosis. So you're not menopausal until you've gone that whole year. And so perimenopause or premenopause could be that five to seven years beforehand. So if the average age of menopause is 51, 52, then you were right on target being 45 saying, what is going on with me? So yes, those symptoms definitely were premenopause, perimenopausal symptoms. And the symptoms can pretty much be, I feel like I tell patients, if you're having something going on, it's probably perimenopause because it could be fatigue, joint pain, brain fog. Vaginal dryness, night sweats, hot flashes. It doesn't sound fun at all. No, it's not fun at all. No, it's like all the pregnancy symptoms. Like you would never get pregnant if you knew like what could happen to your body. (laughs) The same thing is like (laughs) menopause. It's just anything can happen. So, um, so no, I, I feel bad that, yeah, like your doctor didn't acknowledge it and then go over the things that we can do like lifestyle or potential supplements or medications to help with that. Yeah. I think it's you and I had a conversation one time when I'm like, okay, I don't feel cause like, um, I get anxious about having, you know, um, adult, uh, you know, dementia. Right. Mm -hmm. And so like, I'm like, I'm, I'm already forgetting things. I'm already, you know, like I don't remember if I did something. And so I started to freak out. And then I think you and I had this conversation like that is one of the symptoms you said you called it brain fog just mm-hmm. now, but like similar to that. Yes. Am I going through menopause? Because I've always had brain fog. <laughs> Even the first kid. <laughs> well, peri, peri, peri. <laughs> well, is it, you know, does every woman go through menopause? Like, is that just a natural state of Yes. Living. Well, yeah. So every woman will go through menopause. So just like we are born with so many eggs and then those eggs will decline, you know, throughout our life and in terms of like fertility potential. But eventually those eggs will become, you know, non-functional. And so every woman will go through menopause and it differs by age. So the average age is 51 to 52. The range could be 45 to 55 is the normal range of when that could happen. So anything from 45 to 44 would be early menopause. And then less than 40 would be what we call now primary ovarian insufficiency, or it used to be called primary ovarian failure. And we treat those differently too, based on age-wise too. Got it. But yeah, every woman will go through menopause. Got it. And is there anything, I guess, you know, for some women out there, is there ways to kind of slow down that process or it's just part of life? life? So I don't think you can slow it down per se of of preventing it from mm-hmm. happening, mm-hmm. but you can definitely manage the symptoms, like it. recognize it, talk about it, talk with your physician about it and have some alleviation of those symptoms. And you had mentioned the timeline of one year. And I know someone who went through 11 months and then the tall, she she was actually really excited just because, you know, 
and uh-huh. and the twelfth month she actually ended up getting her period. So oh. she was just like, "Oh my god, yeah. I have to start all over again." So yeah, so you would like reset that clock in a sense. Or if someone's like really like, well, maybe I'm not sure 100 percent, then I would probably treat that as like postmenopausal bleeding. Got it. So I really stress to patients, you know, if you go a year and then any bleeding after, even if it's just spotting, you need to come back and get seen. So one of the ways I knew that, like, I started asking my doctor these questions is because once I had both my kids, I was pretty very regular. And so all of a sudden my periods were irregular. Like I felt like there were months where like I like. I would not, it was not all blood, but it was like the discharge and stuff like that. And so it would be like, when is this going to end? And then there would be these like periods of nothing. And so I feel like I'm even, I'm way past that one year. I feel like it's been four years that I haven't had a period. So then I guess I'm, is it postmenopause then is probably what yeah. I'm at. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Postmenopause. So, you know, I'd heard about all these hormonal therapies, but when I asked the doctors at the time, I'm like, what, you know, they're like, you're too young. You don't need to worry about that right now. So when women are going through it, what are some of the things that you can do to manage the symptoms of menopause? So you can do a lot of things. I think it is important to acknowledge that just in terms of menopause education for physicians, I think it's been lacking over the last few decades. When I came out of training in 2002, literally like the month I came out ready to start seeing patients, there was a release of the Women's Health Initiative. And that was a big study on menopause. And that kind of killed hormone replacement. And pretty much everyone went off it abruptly. They would taper it. There was no magic way. Everyone was miserable. And we would give this message that, oh, this study show hormones increase the risk of invasive breast cancer, heart attack, and stroke. So no one wanted to be on hormones. And so then that was just the line that was given to patients. A long time now for the past decade, people have re-looked at the Women's Health Initiative. And it wasn't the best study just because the patients were older, looking at what were their endpoints. They weren't looking at like symptom relief. And now we probably encourage more women to use medication, you know, hormones, medications during that pre or perimenopausal time and even in menopause to alleviate those symptoms. We as providers and physicians need to like re-educate ourselves and people get frustrated because they might see someone who's not as up to date and educated about it because I think there's so much medicine is changing like so fast at this time. Right. So uh, you know, spinning off of that hormone issue. So we're all bombarded. Well, depending on your age, Mm -hmm. you are bombarded on Instagram with things about like, you know, because based on my age, I get all these, Mm -hmm. you know, menopause, like balance your hormones. And like Mm -hmm. one of the symptoms of menopause is weight gain Mm -hmm. and, and, and that it's harder to lose weight. (laughs) And I did like, I hear these, I just saw a little reel this morning and says, I gained 23 pounds, but now if I balance my hormones. So I thought like balancing your hormones, will that help you lose weight? And so, you know, everyone's trying to put their little special hormonal cocktail. So So Mm -hmm. I want to know how valid is that claim about balancing your hormones? Because they say that you gain weight because there's something, an imbalance in your Mm -hmm. hormones. So can you lose weight? And I mean, is that snake oil or is that real, real science? (laughs) No, it is. That's we see a lot of patients for that. I think with social media, 100 percent, I feel like they have realized who has the money and it's these perimenopausal menopausal women have the money. So they're trying to sell all of these things. And so, yes, weight gain is one of those symptoms. And part of it is because as men and women age, we lose muscle mass. And so part of that is our basal metabolic rate will go down and then hence we're not changing our diet, perhaps. And so we will tend to gain weight. We also will tend to put more weight on in the abdominal area. 
which increases that internal fat that we have that increases cardiovascular disease risk, diabetes risk. So there's all of these things that happen to men and women, like weight gain is going to happen. So strength training is really important. And everyone comes in and they want their hormones checked, probably because they're getting all these ads on social media. And and I think they mean like their ovarian hormones, you know, luteinizing hormone, follicle stimulating hormone and estrogen. And there's no reason to check hormones. And we will check maybe thyroid. Everyone wants to be hypothyroid because that would be a symptom of weight gain, but probably no one ever is, although it does increase as age. So we will check thyroid, you know, checking liver and kidney function, making sure no one's anemic. But majority of the time, those are all normal. And again, we don't recommend checking the hormones. We just say, yes, you're in perimenopause and things, other things I would focus more on. And it's really hard. It's easy to say, but to focus on a healthy diet, you know, eliminating the processed foods, which so much of our diet is in in this country. Sleep is very important. Getting good quality sleep, decreasing stress. We know cortisol goes up. And so people will come in and they want to test cortisol. And I just don't have any training in doing that. But I would rather say, let's just work on your stress. Like they all want like a Band-Aid or a supplement to like counteract it. But it's better to work on stress, decreasing alcohol. A lot of women will notice that whether it's wine or cocktails that they can't drink as much or they might notice it disrupts their sleep. The night sweats can disrupt your sleep and then you have fatigue and then the brain fog. So all of it is linked together. But there's no magic like pill. Oh no, I should. I know. No magic. I know. No magic cocktail. (laughs) I I do. That's true. So like, I can't drink as much alcohol as I quit in my twenties for sure. And I mean, every once in a while, like a glass of wine. But like, even then, like, I don't drink regularly. I didn't drink regularly normally in my normal life. But when when we hang out, I'm like, that's all I can have right now because I just it just you know I know I'm not going to sleep well. Mm -hmm. I have a question about mental health and menopause because Mm -hmm. I have had anxiety and depression Mm -hmm. pretty much all my life. And I remember when my mom was going through menopause, it was like she was bipolar. She was one minute just mean and angry and then happy the next. And she's like, oh, my gosh, it's like my mind is going crazy when when I started menopause. Mm -hmm. And I think for me, that's my biggest fear is going out of control and just being this crazy woman. And like, what can I do to prevent that? I I am on medication, like I take sertraline Mm -hmm. right now, but what can I do to like, just calm myself down when it comes to like mental health and because your your hormones have everything Uh to do with mental health, right? Yeah. So it's all linked together. Definitely anxiety and depression can worsen during these changes as well. And it's important to realize are there sometimes you don't know what these triggers are or situations are but if you could identify it like when it's happening to like tell yourself okay i need to like step aside count to four do some breathing does my medication need to be altered sometimes we will use low dose antidepressants to help with hot flashes and then they might also help with mood issues as well and it's also looking at sleep can affect mood that fatigue Looking at relationships, because also during this time is when your kids are going off to college or you're having, you know, suddenly you're looking at your partner or are you a single parent or just all of these changes are happening all at once. So it's it's not an easy time of transition. It's, it's similar to, you know, we talk about like adolescence is a big transition, becoming a parent. And then here's another huge transition in a woman's life. And I think one of the symptoms, too, of menopause is not being able to sleep. Right. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. Yeah. And that's the, the thing insomnia. for me, too, because I've had insomnia for months and months. And it's like 
you need sleep, right? Mm-hmm. But it's one of the symptoms. And I think that's what's scary for me too. Did that happen to you? Maria? Yeah, it did. So yeah. I felt, I mean, I don't take, use a lot of sleep anyways, yeah. and I know I should be getting more sleep. So that was like my sort of theme for the new year is to try to get more sleep and, and make better health choices and not say I'm on a diet. But yeah, I did notice that. And the same thing with the whole, you're talking about like the mood swing. So I saw how my mom interacted with my brother. When my brother was a teenager, my mom was going through menopause and I and there was these huge mood swings. And I thought, oh, I don't want to be like that. But you don't know you're doing it in the moment. Mm-hmm. And you have to, I would say, once you start to know that you're feeling that way, uh, read the room. Because I will, like right even now, <laughs> I'll have conversations with my son and then my my husband's just like sitting in the living room and then we're talking and he's like, what is wrong with you? What's wrong? Why are you so upset? I go, why am I, I think I sound perfectly normal, but everyone around you is like, you are talking crazy. You're like, you sound like you're angry. And I was, I'm like, I didn't realize it. So I, I was initially, I would get offended when my husband said, I'm like, you don't know what you're talking about. And then I realized, oh, maybe I am being a little wacky. So then I, you have to read the room and then step back. And um, I think that like your experience seeing your mom, I hope that my experience with seeing my mom interact with my brother means that I have a better relationship with my son because then I notice it and I take mm-hmm. a step back and then I go acknowledge the behavior because he'll go because he's a teenage boy and he's mm-hmm. also hormonal. Right. So we're at different ends of the spectrum. Yeah. So then I'll go back and I'll say, hey, buddy, I'm sorry. I, I, I overreacted or I shouldn't have yelled at you, but did you hear the message about what I'm saying? So that's what I would recommend doing is like, try to read the room. That's if you have someone advice. to help you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Well, pivoting uh, other, you know, symptoms of menopause is what I've heard is how it affects your sex life. Mm-hmm. and your sex mm-hmm. drive. Yeah. That's one yes. of my questions. Too. Um, yeah. And you know, what, I've heard as well is some people are really excited because then you you no longer have your period. But I don't think people realize all the other symptoms mm-hmm. that you get because of those hormonal change. And one is also dryness. Mm-hmm. Yes. Right. And, yes. and I'm I, someone was telling me this. And I'm like, what? Like uh-huh. <laughs> these are are uh, things that obviously, you know, like it, it will obviously affect you and and your if you're in a relationship uh definitely that's an impact and and how do people deal with that i'm gonna say everything you just said is 100 percent true <laughs> <laughs> I, i'll let suzanne talk about the medical thing and then yeah, I'll, yeah. yeah. so no um i think you have to to ask about it or to bring it like either the patient needs to bring it up or the physician needs to ask about it because it is something personal and intimate and not everyone is comfortable talking about it and and so with vaginal dryness just in terms of very scientific form just estrogen levels will decline with menopause and there are estrogen receptors in the vagina and so as your estrogen levels decline you'll have vaginal atrophy it is a whole syndrome called genitourinary syndrome of menopause and so that is with the vaginal atrophy people will have increased bladder infections and so one of the ways to counteract that could be with using like vaginal estrogen, whether it's a cream, a tablet, or a ring. And some people panic, like, I don't want to use hormones, they're bad, because they're thinking back to that older mm-hmm. study. And so we'll kind of educate them on that, but just to say that the vaginal placement of hormones isn't systemic. So it's really just kind of like topical to that area. And then before that, there's other things people can use, whether it's suppositories that they can buy online that are hyaluronic acid. We encourage different lubricants for sex and kind of 
what lubricants are they using? You know, a lot of people will use like Vaseline, which is kind of tacky. And so we'll recommend some other ones that they can get, you know, in the stores or online and just to experiment with it. And then along with all of that, because sex can be painful, then people don't want to have sex. Yes. And so it becomes this cycle or they tense up and then their pelvic floor muscles will tighten and their relationship and their libido. It's all linked together. So it's asking the questions of like, I always ask when people come in and I'll say, you know, how often are you having sex? Or they'll say not that much. And is it okay for you? If you're fine with that, then my next question is, is your partner fine with that? And sometimes they're like, no, they would like it more. And then they just have, you have to start that discussion with it of like, why aren't we having more sex? Or what do I find turns me on? And it's having those intimate conversations. And so a lot of couples have never talked about that. You know, it's like you're just so in the throes of raising your kids. And then again, you're all alone of like now the kids are gone and it's just the two of us. But our bodies have changed and both men and women in their bodies both change. But it's being open with your partner of what what do you find pleasurable? You know, not just, you know, having sex just to have it for your husband's sake. But you as a woman should enjoy sex. Some have difficulty orgasm, having an orgasm or talking about orgasms. And so it's, again, talking with your partner. There's a lot of just books and things online that you can work with just to learn about all of this. No, that that's super helpful just to kind of understand that perspective of this is what's happening yeah. in your body and how that obviously affects, like you said, your want, right? Because mm-hmm. it's it's painful. You're like, this is not happening so you're you're nodding. I am emphatically nodding. This is this has been for I'd say the the last since I was 45, so like seven or eight years has been the challenge. So yes, my libido died down. I I feel like significantly we have had you know we had a healthy sex life. We still do now, but it was there was it's been this big transition. So at first you know like I just wasn't interested. I just wasn't interested. It was just like I got like. Suzanne said, you're in the throes of raising your kids. So, you know, seven years ago, my kids were middle school and mm-hmm. upper elementary and we're too busy running around. You're always just tired. So then uh, my interest died down. And then when we did make time, because we always make it a point to make time for each other, it started becoming painful, way more painful than you remember your very first time, <laughs> like ridiculously Ouch. painful, Ugh. like glass <laughs> oh. you know pain. I mean for me no, that's, yeah, we hear this Marina, a lot. You're yes. scary. I know you're scaring everyone <laughs> I'm not trying to, but, but I'm just telling you that like but then you because no one tells you this yeah. you're mm-hmm. like something's wrong with me what's wrong with me and then your partner's like something's wrong with me she's not attracted to me anymore she wants mm-hmm. to leave you know like there's all that insecurity comes up and so um and like Suzanne said I was too embarrassed to tell anybody like you know mm-hmm. like what's going on this is like really weird you know first is like it feels like I never have I, I, I'm never off my period and then when I'm finally off it's like <laughs> when we do have sex it's like it's it hurts and thankfully we have a enough trusting relationship that I would tell him it's not working for me this hurts and he is understanding enough to say mm-hmm. Okay, that's okay. We don't have to right now. But then we'd have to have a conversation like, well, what's going on? I go, I don't know. It's just like it really Uh hurts and it's very tender. And it's like and we want to make each other happy. We want to Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. fulfill each other's needs. So you find other workarounds. Mm -hmm. Everyone Mm -hmm. knows what those are. And then (laughs) but even what is it, Maria? (laughs) Well, in case your kids are listening, you don't have to. No, I'm not saying anything. 
But even sometimes the other workarounds just were uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. So for a long, for up until recently, I would say I was more focused on like, I'm not into it, but he's into it and I want to make him happy. So I'll do it. And it doesn't, it doesn't make me upset that he's going to get the, you know, the release and I Uh won't because I was like, it's fine. It it didn't upset me to like, you know, but then I finally talked because Suzanne said, you need to talk to your doctor (laughs) about it. And so I did. And then, so for me, it was the uh, S string. Oh yeah. The E string. Yeah. E string. So that's what I, I, you know, you Mm -hmm. just, what is that? It's a ring of estrogen estrogen Mm -hmm. that you insert kind of like you would insert an IUD. Mm -hmm. Right. And then, well, no, it just stays in the vagina. It just stays. The IUD goes in the uterus. Oh yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah, It stays. (laughs) So do you insert this like before or is it in there the whole, (laughs) it's in there the whole time. For three months. Yeah. yeah. For three months. And then you don't even notice it's there. Kind of like, you know, if you've worn enough tampons, you barely notice it's there. Right. So you insert it and it's a slow, release of estrogen so i gave it two weeks before we even tried anything and i noticed a little difference and then i did it for one i should do it again but i haven't done it Uh but i have i have one at home i haven't used it because removing it was very challenging well, so, your partner could always help. Yes, <laughs> that happened. That's another that workaround. Had to happen. yes. Yes. That had to happen. Is removal needed assistance? Mm. I couldn't, and I was starting to panic because I couldn't. And oh. I was like, "Oh my god, I'm gonna get you know sick, you know, because no. the whole hormone mis- no. misinformation." So, but it made a difference, and even now I notice that it's a little different. And so it provided some relief. It's not a hundred percent, and you just have to. You and your partner have to, like Suzanne yeah. said, you have to communicate, and mm-hmm. so. No, I'm so glad you like went and yeah. got medication and tried it. So go home and put the new one in. Yeah. <laughs> People come back and it's so gratifying when whether it's vaginal hormones or we're using other hormones and they come back and say it's life changing. And and the other thing is we always think like women's bodies change, but men have sexual dysfunction, too, as they age, whether it's mm. like erectile dysfunction, um, issues with ejaculation. And the hard part is, is that, you know, there's Viagra for men. Like they all have something to help them with their sexual dysfunction. There's no perfect pill. There are a few things out there for women. And so we just try to like go over the different things that we can do. There are, you know, I know some people will go out and have like testosterone pellets placed, which I usually try to steer away from just because those aren't like FDA approved. And there are some, some testosterone replacements, but it gets tricky because there's nothing perfect for women. So we're taking like a men's dose and like using a very, very small amount of it. And and just encouraging couples, I think that's great to like talk about it because that's like step one. And some couples at this point in their relationship, you know, because you know each other and like you've done the same thing and your sex life has always been the same, that sometimes it's time to start exploring, you know, what what fantasies do you have? Like it doesn't mean you're going to do them, but or experimenting with sex toys and all different things. I my doctor told me the same thing. And I'm like, are you freaking kidding me? Like, I grew up very Catholic. And so, you know, like it's all that mm-hmm. stuff is taboo. Suzanne knows she's Catholic too. Um, all that stuff is taboo. And the doctor recommended the, you know, battery operated device. Buying a vibrator. Mm-hmm. Yes. See, I can't even say it. So that's, how, that's how like a conservative Catholic I grew up. But yeah, she did. And I was like, eh, we'll try the E string and see how that works. And so. Uh, but a lot of it is, I think for women, even I try to engage younger women to say, learn your bodies, learn what you like, what is pleasurable to you so that you can tell your partner. But then we have women who are now older who never learned that or were just like embarrassed or their upbringing. And so you can be any age and learn your body. 
And it's just, you know, letting down those barriers and hopefully you're with someone who is open and just going to kind of like be part of that with you or you can do it on your own. Yeah. And that makes it more pleasurable is, you know, you just got to know your partner. Exactly. um, I guess my other question is, (laughs) since we're talking about sex, is perimenopause. So there's perimenopause, there's Mm -hmm. menopause and there's postmenopause. Yeah. Any way you can get pregnant at all. Oh, yes. In any of those stages. So in the perimenopausal period, like with the irregular periods that Marita was experiencing, because your periods during that time, not everyone has a perfect 28 day cycle. And so I usually say anything that can happen will happen. You might go from a 28 day cycle to a 24 day cycle. It could go to a 32. You could start skipping. You could have light bleeding, heavy bleeding. Pretty much anything can happen. And so I'll tell patients that. And I'll say, you know, if you're bleeding nonstop, definitely come in. Otherwise, you can write it out. But you always should have contraception if you're sexually active. So there's a lot of people who will have these accidental pregnancies and think, I thought I was menopausal, but I ended up just being pregnant. One of the things we'll do during that perimenopausal time, one thing that we can use is like a low dose birth control pill just to regulate your periods. And as long as there's no contraindications such as high blood pressure or blood clotting, or current breast cancer, we can use a birth control pill, but then that might make diagnosis of menopause difficult later on because we're Mm -hmm. like making you have a period. Period. The same thing with the hormonal IUD is that you may not have a period. So you're like, well, how will I know I'm in menopause? And then we usually will say, you're okay to continue the birth control pill up till 55. I'd probably, if you're doing fine on it, just to continue, or at some point early fifties, I might transition someone over to hormone replacement if they wanted that, if they were having symptoms. The IUDs, we recommend just leaving in them in until their end point, whether it's, you know, five or eight years, and they could also be part of hormone replacement as well. So yes, definitely you need contraception until your doctor's like, yes, you are menopausal. Okay. But there's no way you can get pregnant when you're in menopause. Well, you can't, you not, I think at that when people are like 50, like in their fifties, those people who have the primary ovarian insufficiency, you know, that early, like less than 40 they, they can have that escape ovulation. So you will also talk to them about making sure they have contraception. It's very low likelihood, but it's possible. <laughs> Just making sure. <laughs> no, I mean, many, I have a lot of patients. I'm like, you're still using condoms. You're 56. I'm like, you don't need to do that. And they're like, no, no, we're fine. I'm like, all right. <laughs> it's whatever you like, yeah. I guess. Yeah, whatever you're used to. That's a good question. <laughs> well, no, you want to make sure, yeah, with yeah, the regular yeah. periods, the first question is always like, could you be pregnant? Yeah. Yeah. And then that usually leads into like, but we're not having sex. And then you talk about why aren't you having sex? And so it all kind of comes together. It's very good to know. So my next question is, since I'm already, I feel like I'm already postmenopause based mm-hmm. on that definition. Yeah. What uh, is there something another stage or that's it? And then there's no, you know, I just got to get checked every year. Is there another phase that no one ever told us because now we're oh. yeah, no, <laughs> because, you know, people are living yeah. longer. Oh, yes. You know what I'm saying? Like, so, you know, we have women living into their 90s. So uh-huh. is there another stage of evolution or we're in that reproductive health or we're pretty much the end of it? No, prob- I mean, we probably just consider it postmenopause, but I think then we are looking still at people's overall lifestyle and risk factors for cardiovascular disease, health, diabetes, bone health, like osteoporosis. So these are all things that might be reasons people want to use hormones. So, you know, they are FDA approved for, you know, like menopausal symptoms, like hot flashes and night sweats, you know, reducing osteoporosis and the and vaginal dryness, the hormones are approved for. 
sometimes people come in they want them for I want my skin to look better and I just feel better and we're like that's not really an FDA approved recommendation although people do have you know they usually will feel better because their sleep might be improved so but yeah there's not another yeah I think you're just in menopause or postmenopausal as we would say but I think then focusing more on your overall health and making sure that you're moving like the eating healthy exercising the strength training for bone health and going to regular checkups whether it's with your gynecologist, but probably the primary care doctors really take over in terms of like screening for diabetes and cholesterol, all of that. Are there tests that you could do that will 100% tell you like you're in perimenopause or menopause? Not a, no, there aren't because te- usually as gynecologists, we just say there's no test. Like there are a lot of things you can buy over on the over the counter online, and again, that's why I'm like they're just kind of like gimmicks that. Because if you were to go and buy one and you're 45, 46, you're like, I did this test and it says I'm in like perimenopause. I'd be like, I could have told you that just by age alone. (laughs) So I don't think you need to go and buy that. And so I wouldn't. Yeah, that we don't usually test hormones in terms of like your FSH will increase and your estrogen will decrease. Sometimes I will order it in people who maybe have an IUD or will do it when they're off the birth control pill because they're curious. They really want to know, like, is it okay to stop these? if they've had a uterine ablation for heavy periods and they want to know, or a hysterectomy, you can, so sometimes I'll do it and I'll tell the patient this is more like kind of scientific, you know, or it's just really vague, like they don't know. And so we'll kind of try to put all the pieces together. But yeah, there's no one, like there's no test of like, I just want to know if I'm in menopause. The first question is like, are you having periods? Yeah. So (laughs) is it a genetic thing as well? Like, does it depend on like when your mom had menopause or started it may be. It may be somewhat genetic. I mean, we do ask if your mom had like early menopause, that would be important. And those people, especially who have like the premature um, ovarian failure or primary ovarian insufficiency, that would be important to know just because their children might be at higher risk for that. And then those women do have a higher risk of being a carrier of like fragile X syndrome, which can impact a pregnancy. So so I always I know this gets all comp- complicated, but I'll tell patients, you know, if they have it. You know, and especially if they have daughters of probably considering testing for themselves or for their their daughters when it comes time to having babies. Mm-hmm. Do you have any more questions? Actually, she answered all of my questions. Oh, she did. Oh, okay. I, wow. I actually did have one okay. other question. Uh-huh. And this is just from a, in regards to symptoms. Yes. So obviously, as you experience these symptoms, you should be having these conversations mm-hmm. with your doctor. Yes. Um, things that impact your partner and other people around you, you should, you know, do your mm-hmm. best to communicate because yeah. obviously this is something that you're going through internally and just trying to figure out ways around that. When we think about some symptoms, do they just go away? Like if, like, for example, brain fog, you experience that maybe in a specific, you know, time frame. But do these things eventually go away in certain cases or these are things that eventually you just need to continue to manage? No, that's a good question, because people always want to know, like, when is it going to end? Yes. Like, I can tolerate this if you told me it was going to be, you know, another year. But we don't know, like menopausal symptoms, those vasomotor symptoms can last for years, even after like once you're in menopause. Got it. So it's more of like, how bothersome are they to you? And so I try to bring it up with patients in their mid 40s of just talking about the changes that are going to be coming and then to encourage them to come in and talk. 
And most of the time, the first time people aren't looking for hormone replacement, they, they just want to know, like, am I normal? Am I crazy? What's going on? And then we'll talk about lifestyle changes, some of the over the counter things that they could do. And I say, look, if this isn't working, come back and we'll find something else. And even if it's hormones, if this isn't working, come back because there's other things that are not hormonal that you can use. Like we'll use low dose antidepressants. There are those special populations, people with breast cancer that we still want to be able to alleviate their symptoms. There's things we can do besides hormones. So I think it's just continuing that conversation. No, but yeah, I know we wish we had that magic ball of like, this is when it's all going to end. Well, I think it's helpful for me as you know, I'm, I haven't hit, you know, the, the pre-menopause stage yet, I don't believe, but it's helpful for me to at least understand that, you know, at some point it's going to come. Mm-hmm. And yes. you just, I, it sounds like, you know, being educated mm-hmm. and knowing and having these conversations with your doctor yes. is is going to tremendously help me in mm-hmm. managing it. Yeah. Uh, because it's going to come whether you like it or not. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. And so it's super helpful just to know that, you know, being realistic of mm-hmm. what's going to happen and how it's going to change and how it'll affect my body and people around me. Mm-hmm. I think this is super helpful in regards to just the information because there's a mm-hmm. lot of misinformation yes. that, that you get uh-huh. on. And now that we all have access to the internet, yeah. uh-huh. you know, you, you don't want to, I guess, lead yourself to believe that there's this mm-hmm. magic pill. <laughs> yeah, no, there's nothing magic, but there is a lot online, okay. which is good. good. So yep. people are talking about it more. And in your physician may not, it's okay to ask, do you do menopausal health or how much experience do you have? And they may say they don't have an, a lot, which is fine. Who would they recommend? There's a North American Menopause Society that you could always go to that website and type in your zip code and find someone who has like certification in that. I don't have that certification. I mean, I can definitely go and get it. And I'm thinking of that, but yet I'll encourage people if they get complicated, I'll be like, let's go find someone whose whole practice is menopause or a lot of OBGYNs are really more focused on obstetrics. So it's just finding that right provider. And there's a lot of some telehealth as well. So it's just, I think, yeah, being open about it with your doctor and not if they don't know the answer to not just take that as there's no answer. Sure. Yeah. I was going to say that over time, the symptoms do start to be fewer and far between and not as intense, but they're not, I still do get hot flashes. I still get night sweats, but they're not as like dramatic or pronounced as they used to be. Even the, the mood swings are not as bad, but maybe because I've got better at recognizing them. So in the beginning it is kind of scary. And so it's like, it's weird that like at the beginning I didn't talk to anybody about it. I was like, Oh, right. Mm -hmm. But the more I talk to other women around my age, the more I'm like, okay, this is normal. This is, you know, everyone is going through the same thing, similar symptoms. So, um, yeah, I think that just talking about it, but knowing that it's still happening for me, but it's not as, as bad bad, as it was in the beginning. So, I mean, this is great. Like I used to be scared of menopause. I'm 42 and I'm like, Oh, that's just going to make me feel old but having this conversation and hearing these stories makes me embrace it it's you know another rite of passage of being a woman and i hope a lot of dads that are listening as well or men are listening and just kind of know more about menopause and what their partners are going through um and i hope it kind of eases their mind a little bit but you know it's it's not the end of your life you're not old but, you know, this is part of being a woman and this is what makes us badasses. <laughs> you know, we go through periods, we have kids and then we go through menopause. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But 
Dr. Bone, thank you again for coming on. It was so, hopefully we can get you on for, um, you know, more episodes on other topics because this is great. And Marita, thank you for coming on as well. Thank you for having me again. Thanks for joining us. And And I got to meet Debbie. (laughs) Yes, finally. And don't forget to follow us um, on Instagram at wetimeconvo underscore podcast. And I also finally put our emails on there. If you have any questions, have any feedback or anything, it's Liza at wetimeconvo.com, Debbie at wetimeconvo.com, or Irene at wetimeconvo.com. So thank you guys again for coming on. Thank you. Bye. Bye.